Amen. And all God's people said, yeah! Woo! Amen. At this time, our children, well, there they go. Release the hounds. Release. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh. All right. Huh. Thank you. Hey, it's, uh, it's good to be here. Uh, you know, it, uh, you know, my vision is doing extremely well. Um, you know, look. I mean, it, 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 I was paranoid about eye drops. I asked nothing about the surgery, like, because I can't put eye drops in. It's, you know, one of those people. And so I asked nothing about the surgery. Didn't ask what the pain would be like or anything. And it was very painful. And uh, my vision was actually much worse. And I couldn't read. I couldn't write. And, uh, um, but then people prayed. He said it would take about three months, and it took about three days. So that's really awesome. You know, God can do anything. And uh, so that's awesome. And, and uh, just keep Laurie in prayer. Um, you know, a lot of pain. You know, those who've had a ro- rotator cuff surgery, um, it's not a party. And it's like a very long not a party, right? And, and she's just in, through the door. But again, I believe God can do anything, right? I mean, if God can breathe out stars, right? He, he, there's nothing he, we just sang, right? Yeah, there's nothing he can't do. So um, that's a little update on that. And if you guys would take a, a, a few minutes just to welcome those around you, say hi, you know, let's, you know and you're allowed to get up to do that. <laughs> and, and, it, and it's so nice to see people and, and to the, the see their faces. It's a, it's a good thing. Hey, hey, this morning we are, we are wrapping up our series, This Is... And it's a series about you and me and individually and as a church hidden reset in regards to who God has called us to be and what God has called us to do. You know, people who have been saved and delivered and redeemed by Christ. People who have been given a, a living hope and inheritance that will never fade or spoil or pass away. People that have been given a, a peace that passes all understanding and have chosen to follow Jesus, we said we need to reset. You know, reset, this is me. You know, I need to preach Christ, depend on Christ, and take you to Christ. And reset, this is you. Remember, as James says, your life is a mist, right? You're here for a while and you're gone. And and if you're going to do what God wants you to do, what God created you to do, it's time to get busy and then reset, this is us, our, our vision, our mission, and our core values. And listen, uh, today is a, it's a huge day for his church that meets at 3210 Prophet Road and in the living rooms around the world, right? And, and, uh, and listen, I really believe in the power of a moment. Like one moment, the earth was empty and formless, and then God spoke. Now, one moment, God's people were trapped between the Red Sea and the fast-approaching Egyptian army, and Moses raised his staff. One moment, the wall surrounded Jericho. One moment, a giant taunted in the valley. Esther and her people faced genocide. A, a, a Pharisee was on his way to have Christians arrested. One moment, the blind could not see. The lame could not walk. The lepers were unclean. Lazarus lay dead in the tomb for four days. And then God moved. And nothing was the same Again, just in a moment. Now understand, whenever our God is in our moments, anything can happen. Amen? 
Here's this verse, Paul puts it this way. We actually read it this week. Now to him who's able to do measurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that has worked within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I repeat after me. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. <laughs> should memorize. That should be highlighted. Uh, listen, it's June 27, 2021, and this is it. This is a huge day for his church, for me, for you, for at least two reasons. Uh, first, because it's, it's Baptism Sunday. And, and here's the deal. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and if you believe in, in what Jesus did, who he is, and, and what he did, that he died on the cross for your sins, and if you long to follow him and to be his disciple, and remember Jesus said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go and make disciples of all nations. How do we do that, Jesus? We baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Again, if you believe in who Jesus is and what Jesus did, and you long to follow him and have not yet been baptized, I, I, I just one question for you. It's the same question that a guy named Ananias asked the apostle Paul one day in Acts twenty two sixteen. He says this, and now, and now that you met Jesus on the road to Damascus, now that you realize and believe in who he is, now that you repented of your way of life, like having Christians tortured and arrested, and now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized. And wash your sins away, calling on his name. And listen, the book of Acts, which is the only book you see people coming to Christ. You have the Gospels, you have letters to churches and letters to individuals in the New Testament. Acts is where you see real people hearing the gospel and responding. And they always respond the same way. They hear, they believe, they confess, they repent, and they are baptized. And so I ask you, if you've not been baptized, immerse into his name. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Remember, Jesus said, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. And see, I, I know today is already a good day because I know, you know a, a, a three or four people have already made that decision that they're going to be baptized today. And so, like, it's already a stinking win, right? Uh, but if you're sitting here and you've not made that decision, what are you waiting for? Yeah, you're, you're having coffee with Jesus. He told you to do this. And you're going to say, well, hey, I'm waiting for this. He says, not good enough, right? Now's the day of salvation. It's also a big deal this Sunday because of something I'm calling, you know, this is it, pursue commitment. And see, what we're going to be doing at the end of the service, there's cards on your chairs, there's cards in the back, because some of you probably stuck gum in it already, right? Uh, paper airplanes. And, but there's going to be time for you to make a commitment. You know, if you're being baptized, you make, may make one or two commitments, Right? Like today, I'm ready to be baptized into Christ. 
a recommitment. I'm a member of Maple Grove, and today I'm recommitting myself. You know, because I think COVID has knocked a lot of us off our game, right? I'm recommitting myself to pursuing Maple Grove's vision, mission, and core values, right? And then membership, right? Because we've been talking about what our church is about for, for 15 weeks. You know, I'm a baptized Jesus follower, and today I'm ready to join Maple Grove in pursuing her vision, mission, and core values, right? Or it just may be a commitment to a conversation. Hey, I, I would like to talk to some of the leadership about Maple Grove's mission, vision, and mission, vision. Do you guys got a vision? I'll tell you what, if you don't got a vision, you ain't going nowhere. Amen? <laughs> if you're visiting, I can't tell you. <laughs> I, I are a communicator, and, and I, I, I does the best I can, but pronunciation can be hard for me. <laughs> Ever since I took the Evelyn Woodhead's bed reading course, my reading has improved 100%, and comprehension has improved wonderfully. Anybody remember that? Yeah, okay, like two people, right? <laughs> and I appreciate those two people so much. But hey, but it, it, it's today about commitment, right? Uh, that Jesus wants commitment. You know, if you've been hanging out with us for a while and you're saying, hey, you know what? For this season, I live in Charlottesville. I've been attending. I'm, I'm ready to help Maple Grove achieve what God wants her to. It could be that day. Okay, let's do this. Our first point in your notes is the call, going all in. On February 19th, 1519, the Spanish explorer, Hernan Cortez, set sail to Mexico with an entourage of 11 ships, 13 horses, 110 sailors, and 553 soldiers. Now, the indigenous population at the time was approximately 5 million people. So from a purely mathematical standpoint, the odds were stacked against them by a ratio of 7,541 to 1. Uh, two previous expeditions had failed to establish a settlement in the New World. Yet Cortez would go on to conquer much of South America. And listen, what Cortez was reported to have done once hitting the beach is an epic tale of mythical proportions. You see, on the beach, he issued an order that turned his mission into an all or nothing proposition. He burned the ships. And as his crew watched <clears throat> the ships burning and then sinking into the sea, they realized that the option of retreat was no longer on the table. And listen, if we set aside for a moment the moral issues of colonization, right? And, and, and yes, those moral issues are huge. Nevertheless, there is a, there's a powerful lesson to be learned. You see, nine times out of ten... Failure is switching from plan, is switching to plan B when plan A gets too risky, gets too hard, gets too difficult. And, and that's why so many people are living out their plan B life rather than their plan A life because plan A just got too costly, it got too hard, it got too difficult, it didn't happen fast enough. But you see, plan A people don't have a plan B. To them, it's either plan A or bust. I mean, they would rather crash and burn going after a God-ordained dream than to settle for something else, to settle for something less. I understand, brothers and sisters, there are moments in your life and mine when we need to burn the ships. 
when we need to make an unwavering decision that will eliminate even the possibility of turning back to the way things used to be, turning back to what we left behind. Now, maybe for us, it means we burn the ship named past failure or even past success. Or we, we burn the ship named bad habit or the ship named regret. Or we burn the ship named guilt or bitterness or resentment. Or we burn the ship that wants to throw in the towel and tap out on that relationship, on that marriage. We burn the ship named lukewarm and mediocre, comfortable and convenient in regards to our commitment to Christ and to his church. I mean, can you imagine what it was like for those sailors and soldiers to stand on that beach and and, and watch their ships sink into the sea, realizing, hey, there's no way back. There's no way to sail back home, even if the journey does get difficult. I, I love that image of Cortez burning the ships, but he's not the first guy to go all in. I mean, in the scriptures, we see God's people time and time again going all in for and with God. In Genesis 12, a guy named Abraham heard God's call to burn the ships. And that call caused him to, caused him rather to ask some ser- answer some serious questions. Will I listen to the voice of God? Will I trust him? Will I leave my family? Will I leave my country? Will I leave my home? Will I leave my possessions, my way of life? Will will I leave all that I know and go out into the unknown with and for God? Or will I pretend that I didn't hear the call? Or, or, or Or will I redefine the call so that I can go on living life the way I've always lived it? Well, we all know the rest of the story, right? Pretty much the next day, Abraham packed his bags, went all in, and the nation of Israel was born. Uh, One hot day in the desert, an 80-year-old man stood before a burning bush, and for 40 years, Moses had been hiding in the desert and hiding from his past, living a life in that desert that was far below the life that God had intended for Moses. And then the voice of God speaks to Moses not only tell him to go back and face his past, but to go and deliver a couple million people. And Moses' initial response was pretty much our response when, when God calls us to do something. I can't go back. I, I can't face them. I, I can't stand before Pharaoh. I can't do this. It's too big. It's too much. My plate's too full. And besides that, Moses said, I don't even speak well. Can you send someone else instead? It's a, good, it's, a, it's a good mission, God, but can you send somebody else? And God is like, Moses, you, you think you're telling me something that I don't know? I know you can't do it. I know you can't. But also know that I'm going with you, and I know that I can. Amen? I can't, and you can't, and we can't. But God can. He can and so Moses burned the ship and left the desert. In 1 Kings chapter 19, right after Elijah pushes through his bout with depression, he anoints Elisha to be the guy that's going to follow him, take his place as God's spokesman. 
And Elisha came from a very wealthy family. In fact, when Elijah found him, he was plowing his field with a yoke of 12 oxen. And, and listen, that was, times were tough. To have one oxen would have been a big deal. But to have 12 oxen, that meant that you lived in a gated community with a 12 oxen garage and a massive, huge infinity pool, right? He came from a wealthy family. I love those infinity pools, by the way. <laughs> Never been in one, but they sure look cool. And, and, and what does he do once he receives this call? So, so Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them, and he burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. And, and see, listen, when, when, when he burned, when, when, he, when he burned his plowing equipment and he, and he threw the oxen on the grill, he was burning the ships. He, he was saying goodbye to his old way of life. Listen, that night around the bonfire, sharing a meal and sharing stories, that was the end of Elisha the farmer and the beginning of Elisha the prophet. Now, and he didn't necessarily need to burn his plowing equipment to follow, but in doing so, he was making a bold statement. A statement said that there's no turning back, there's no quit, there's no retreat, there's no tapping out, I'm moving forward. And if this prophetic apprenticeship fails, then it fails, but I'm going all in. You see, he wasn't just buying into the call, he was selling out to the call. Big difference, right? I buy into that, but are you sold out to it? We see another picture in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting net into the lake, for they were fishermen. He says, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people at once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They're in the boat with their dad, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and left their father, and they followed him. And those empty nets laying along the shoreline left no doubt in anyone's mind that these guys had gone all in. Which, by the way, is the only way to follow Jesus is all in. He said this in Luke 14. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turned to them. He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate and that's in comparison, right? Because he tells us to love everybody. But in comparison to our love for God, the love for his mission, right? We hate. Does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life. Such a person. Anybody that puts anything before me cannot be my disciple. And everyone does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And just one more image of somebody going all in, their all in moment. There's a man, he's on his face in the garden crying out to God in great sorrow and desperation. Abba, Father, you can do all things. Take away this cup of suffering 
But do what you want, not what I want. Said he prayed it three times. Abba, Father, you can do all things. Take away this cup of suffering, but do what you want, not what I want. Abba, Father, you can do all things. Take away this cup of suffering, but do what you want, not what I want. And after praying this prayer, Jesus comes to find his disciples. And he says, get up, we must go. Look, here comes the man who's turned against me. Understand, Jesus went all in. He held nothing back. He burned the ships. And why would he do something so very drastic? Why would he become a lamb as being led to the slaughter? Well, that brings us to the next point in our notes, the cause. It's worth it. I understand that Jesus, I love that verse. It hit me this morning in Hebrews chapter 12. Now, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a, a great cloud of witnesses, let, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. And, and, and let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And here's the key. Who for the joy set before him, because he could see what was coming. He could see the result of his sacrifice. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning the shame. I understand that Jesus, the cause of seeing sins forgiven, the cause of seeing mankind brought back home to the Father, the cause of seeing death and sin in the grave defeated and the evil one crushed, the cause of seeing captives set free, the cause of seeing the doors of heaven opened up to everyone who believed, the cause of seeing God's grace and mercy unleashed, the cause of seeing men and women, young and old, living out the lives they were created to live was worth it. It was worth going all in. Jesus said, you know what? This is worth the beatings. This is worth the mockings. This is worth the betrayal. This is worth the scourging. This is worth the crown of thorns. This is worth the nails. This is worth the cross. It's worth it. For the joy set before him, he endured. Okay, Maple Grove, here's the deal. Today, June 27, 2021, we as a body of believers or with one voice crying out, it's worth it. We're proclaiming that the vision of seeing people following Christ in life-changing community, the vision, we're proclaiming that seeing the vision of, of lost people being found, hungry people being fed, captives being set free, broken lives being put back together again, families and relationships being restored, people drifting, giving purpose, community given to the lonely, The vision of seeing people overcome and rise above anger and resentment and insecurity and fear and hopelessness and, and bitterness. The vision of seeing people's eternities redirected from God's wrath to God's grace, from eternity in hell to eternity in heaven. It's worth it. It's worth going all in, it's worth burning the ships. Whatever it takes, whatever it costs, whatever we have to endure, whatever we have to lay down, whatever we have to sacrifice, the cause of Christ and his church is worth 
it. Amen? You're caught up in the moment, I know, because that was about the worst amen I ever heard. My goodness. Amen? Amen. All right. I know you're, you're amen inside deeply, but wow. Love you guys. See, vision is a picture of a future that produces passion. Does the vision of that kind of life, people being saved, eternities being redirected, broken people healed, hopeless people having hope, does that create passion in you? It sure does in me. And when we consider what's at stake, the eternal destinies of lost people and them living fullness of life now, I think we would agree that complete surrender of our lives to the cause of Christ isn't radical. It's normal. It's expected. Amen? Again, really all in is the only way to follow Jesus. Here's what Paul said. For Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. We died to ourselves, And he died for all. That we can live great lives and have wealth and prosperity as we wait for God's cruise ship to take us to heaven. Is that what it says? I don't think so. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. How are you doing with that? Be honest with yourself. You're having Starbucks with Jesus right now. But for him who died for them and was raised again. No longer live for ourselves. We live in a selfish society. We got to fight this. Every day, Paul said this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Listen, the main character in your story every day is not you. The main character in your story, my story every day is him. Amen? Amen. And that'll change your perspective. Because you make the main story about you, your story is not so good sometimes. But God's story is always one of complete and utter victory. Now, I need to move on to our final point. Before I do, I want to make a statement that at first you may like, say what? And like, so you're going to need to hold on to your cornflakes, right? Here's a statement. The church is as important as the cross. Let me back that up with scripture. Paul writes in Romans chapter 10. How can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And, and, and how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone else tells them? And how will anybody go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say how beautiful, really timely is a better translation, how beautiful, right? Because my feet aren't very beautiful. Some of you have seen them. They're not beautiful at all. i got to keep them suckers covered up. How beautiful. <laughs> I don't know why I brought that up. You can erase that. How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring the good news. See, what good is a cross without the church? What good is a cross without God's people telling lost people about the gospel? The cross is here, but there's this great chasm, right? The, the church is as important as the cross. The commitment. I'm in. Let's do this. And that's exactly what we're doing today as a body. We're saying, I'm in. Let's 
Let's do this. You see, today, I've been praying about it, talking about it. God, help my vision be ready for it, because this day was planned before I knew my vision would get messed up. But it's, it's, not, it's not so about you and I you know, buying into the vision. Oh, that's a great vision. We love it. Let's seek the, no, it's about selling out to the vision. And there's a power in the moment, right? Moments past are past. Moments now are, are, are now. It's about selling out. It's about no halfway. It's about not being lukewarm. It's about no turning back. It's about burning the ships. And I want to remind you of what it is that, that, that we're committing to as a church or recommitting to as a church. We've been talking about it for 15 weeks, so this will go fast. But like Jesus, we, the we's intentionally really big, we seek the loss. We seek the loss. Why? Because lost people matter. And that parable Jesus told in, in Luke chapter 15, he underscored the fact with the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, that lost people matter to God. He'll go out looking for you. Lost people are valuable to God. He'll sweep the floor till he finds you because he knows once he has you in his possession or something valuable. And God wants lost people back, like the prodigal son, no matter how far people have wandered away, right? And he had a tough walk back home, right? He probably had a walk back through town that day. And people were, there, look who it is. There he is. There's the guy that wandered away. Yeah, look at him now. But he found the father wanting him back. Three little statements here. This popped up on my news feed uh, um, but I was not newsfeed, looking for news. It's about this tragedy in South Florida. And this was the headline. It said, Surfside building collapse, death toll rises to four. As resources, rescuers put their own lives at risk to find survivors. What a beautiful picture, right? Put their own lives at risk to find survivors. And, and listen, the loss in our world they live in a collapsing building. And what are we willing to risk to save them? I mean, these folks are willing to risk their lives to save someone's physical life. That's, that's, that's heroic. What are you and I willing to risk to save someone's eternity? To save someone's forever? We talk about this thing and, you know, um, someday we'll get better at it. But, you know, just pray for one idea that every day you say this prayer. Lord, give me one person that I can share your love with today. You think he wants to answer that prayer? Now, when you say, Lord, give me a new car, he may not want you to have a new car, right? Some prayers you're not sure God wants to answer. God wants to answer that prayer. And so this final statement is we pursue hurting and lost people with the love and hope found in Jesus. Like Jesus, we, we make disciples. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? It means to follow him, to look like him, to act like him, to become like him. Romans 8, 29 says this, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. You see, God loves you and I just the way we are, but he loves us far too much to let us stay that way. He wants us to become just like Jesus, amen? That's his plan for me and for you. In this little statement here, we pursue Jesus by becoming disciples who make disciples. 
Is seeking the lost, is making disciple worth your commitment? Like Jesus, we show compassion. When he saw the crowds, he felt sorry for them. They were hurting and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. We live in a broken world. There are so many hurting and helpless people. And, and sometimes I can be critical of those people and wonder why in the world is those in our world going to such dark, destructive, and twisted places. Why are they going there? Why? Because they are sheep who do not have a shepherd. And we see them, our reaction should not be to judge them and criticize them, but to have compassion on them. Because if they had a shepherd like we did, they would not be looking for life in all the wrong places. Amen? We pursue the compassion of Jesus by loving others with our words and our actions. Uh, this Thursday at 7 p.m., we're having a Zoom meeting. I'll send out an email. Um, and my email is steve at thegrowseville.org. But the idea of, since that food distribution we did on Saturdays is no longer exists, the idea of creating a once-a-month mobile food bank, right? And, and so this Thursday, we're doing a Zoom at 7 o'clock. Hey, how, how can we do this, right? There's, we're piling up a bunch of food. You know, my vision, but I can't, I can't do it by myself, but I know you guys will help me. You know, we need someone to take the leadership on that, that, hey, once a month, we're going to go to places. People don't have cars. We're going to take food to them. You know, we're going to have a mobile food pantry. And you want to talk about being part of that? Hey, this Thursday at 7 p.m. So we're committing to our vision and our mission and to our, and to our core values, Right? You know, our, our core values matter. You know, we honor biblical authority. And for those who are members or are visiting, I, I want you to know that the highest authority in this church is this book right here. It's not what I say. It's not what you say. It's not what you think. It's not what you heard. It's what this book says. This book and nothing else. I am not, we are not over this book. You know, that means we don't get to change it, twist it, ignore it, Right? You know, make it say what we want it to say. This book is the authority. And if we disagree with this book, it's because we are 100% wrong. And the way we honor it, right, we read it, we study it, and we do the best we can, though, imperfectly to live it out. Right? That's what this church is about. We're grounded on the Word of God. Uh, we depend on God as another core value. And why do we depend on God? Well, because God is crazy big, he's mind-blowingly good, and he's absolutely trustworthy. Amen? I mean, seriously. You know, that's why we depend on God. We can't do this on our own. Jesus said on this rock, I will build my church, right? So we're not supposed to do it on our own. So we depend on God. And, and, and I, I, here's a statement I've always loved. I'm not sure who wrote it. God is most glorified in us when we are most dependent upon him. See, depending on God is not a sign of weakness, it's a sign of strength. It's a sign you got some brains in your head, right? <laughs> you know, because God's a lot stronger than you, a lot smarter than you. He can see the future. He, knows, he wants to guide your steps if you let him. And we depend on God because we cannot accomplish God's mission without his power. On July, 
on 7-11, at 4.30, we're going to have a let's pr- Sunday night, that Sunday night, 4.30, just, we're going to meet here and we're praying. You know, we're going to do that once a month and hopefully build from there, practicing dependent on God. Because we want to see things in our church that cannot be explained apart from God. Where we look at ourselves and say, hey, we have no idea this happened because we're, we're not much. Number three, we do life together. You see, we were created by God for community. It's not good for men to be alone, and, and God intends for the church to be a community, right? Yeah, we're part of one body. We're part of the household of God, right? Uh, God doesn't want you to live your Christian life all by yourself. It doesn't work. And, and listen, here, here, here's, a, here's the truth. Number one, is besides the fact that God commands you to be part of community, right? Not an option. Love one another, right? Pray for one another, bear one another's burdens, forgive one another, accept one another, admonish one another. You know, there's, you can't do that by yourself, right? So God's commanded you to do those things. And here's another truth that you will not become all that God wants you to be by yourself. You just won't. You'll never live the life you created to live on your own. And without community, the, the world will not hear our message, right? Because what did Jesus say? That the world will know we're his disciples, you know, by church buildings and, no, by what? By the way that we, we love one another. And we will engage our culture in relevant ways. See, we're not the, we're not the isolate from our culture. And live in some fortress, dig a moat, pull up the drawbridge and talk about how terrible the world is. Lord, engage our culture with the word of God in relevant ways. You know, like maybe feeding them is in relevant ways. You know, you know, helping people in our community, relevant ways. You know, loving our neighbor, you know, relevant ways. But we want to engage our culture, right? The world that God so loves in relevant ways, in ways that they can understand. See, God is not looking for an audience to fill a building. He's looking for an army to love the world that he so loves. Amen? And, and, and I always got to put this in here, especially in our time and day. You know, being relevant is not about the grove trying to be like or woke to our culture. It's not about that. Instead, it's simply about speaking in a way that our culture will understand. All right? The world doesn't need us to adapt to it. <laughs> it you know, do not be conformed to the world, right? It applies to the church. Let's not conform to the world, right? Let's be transformed and be transformers of the world. And, and our final core value is we practice excellence and faithful stewardship. And excellence is simply doing your best for God. You're at Starbucks talking to Jesus. He says, hey, are you doing your best for me? What's your answer? Stewardship is giving our best to God. Giving God the best of our time. Giving God the best of our treasure. Yeah, and here's something that someone sent me a text this week about, hey, I would love to start tithing at Maple Grove. Is there a way to do that on Sunday? And I'm realizing, wow, I've done a really terrible job even talking about it, right? (laughs) Because we used to get up and take communion, and we have these boxes. I think I have a picture of a box somewhere on there. You can see what I'm talking about. Bada bing, bada boom. We don't have a picture of a box. We have these black boxes. 
not the black box in the airplane, but these black boxes, and because we, we weren't passing out the plates, but you can, every week, you can drop an offering. There's one back there. There's one directly behind you. There's one in the foyer, and you can drop a check in there, right? You can, you can give online. And, and, and here's the deal, right? I mean, it, this is you know, kind of between you and God. You're at Starbucks, and God has your calendar. He, he, has, your, he has your bank account. He says, hey, you know, you're aware, Steve, that you're supposed to do your best for me and, and, and give me your best. Did you? And how would you feel? I mean, like if he had your bank account right now, he saw how you're spending your money, how you're spending your time, how you're using the talents that he gave you. There's so much talent in this room, so many people that are smart, right? A lot of untapped potential maybe. And God said, hey, have you just, give me your best. Yeah. It's always once is your best, right? He doesn't want more than what you can give, whether you're a one, two, three, four talent person, right? That's, that's what it's really all about. All right. close. We got to wrap this thing up. But I, I just want to say that going all in makes a difference, right? Abraham went all in, a nation is born. Joseph goes all in and he rises to be second in charge of all of Egypt and saves the world from a famine. Moses goes all in and the people are delivered. Joshua goes all in, the walls of Jericho falls down, the sun stands still and he conquers the promised land. Esther goes all in, or people are saved. Nehemiah goes all in, and the walls are rebuilt, right? The early church went all in, and the world was changed forever. I'm going to read this passage, and then we're going to have some time to reflect. And uh, it's in Acts chapter 2, it's the early church. Those accepted his message about Christ, were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with gladness and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What will happen if, or when we go all in, a, a deep sense of awe. See, she's got some awe right there, baby. You know it. You know it, sister, right? <laughs> Amen. Amen. A deep sense of awe will come over us. God's power will, throw, will flow in us and through us in supernatural and unexplainable ways. We will experience real, powerful, authentic community and fellowship. And God will add to our number daily those who are being saved. And what we can do right now we're going to take a few minutes. And here's, here's how it's going to work. And, and uh, um, we have these cards, and there's four commitments. You're going to be baptized. Those who are wanting to be baptized today are going to meet me right up over there, right? And, and uh, if you're recommitting, you know, 
Those black boxes, find you a black box. If, you re, if you're already a member of Maple Grove and recommitting, say, you know what? It, it, right now, I'm recommitting to pursuing these. You're going to drop that in the box, and you'll see a little bell. Just hit the little bell when you, when you do it. You know, that bell is not an angel getting his wings. It's somebody making a decision. Maybe an angel gets his wings, too. I don't know. Okay, so hit that little bell. You know, um, if you're saying, hey, you know what? I'm a Christian. I've been hanging out in Maple Grove for a while. And for right now in this season of my journey, I want to be a member here. You'll fill out the card, drop it in the box, hit the bell, and our elders will be over here to meet you, right over here. Okay? And then if you say, hey, you know what? I would like a conversation just to talk more about the church, maybe more about Jesus. You can fill that out. Um, but we're going to just take a few minutes. You know, I have pens all over the place, so you can have a pen. And, and uh, you know, the song Oceans is going to play in the background. Yeah, because God is calling us out, right, in some deeper waters, right? This is between you and God. It's really not between me and you or you and even Maple Grove. You know, God has a calling on your life, and now's the time to see if you want to commit to it. And again, if you've not yet been baptized, like I said, I got several people doing that, but if you believe in who Jesus is and what he did, and you want to surrender to him as your Savior and as the Lord of your life, you can meet me up there. If it, it, we, we have extra shirts and shorts back there. Um, I'm going to pray us into this time. We'll take a few minutes for you guys to fill out these cards. There's three black boxes. You'll find them easily. Put the card in. Everybody puts a card in. And then if your membership, boom, over here. Baptize over here. Everybody else can hit the bell and grab a seat, okay? I'm going to pray. Uh, God, we love you. And Holy Spirit, help. Help this moment to be your moment, to be Jesus' moment. Help us not to see that this is something that the church or Steve is compelling people to do. Help us to see that you have a call in our life, and it's a call to go all in. And God, I pray for those who have never been baptized, Lord, but yet believe in you and want to follow you, Lord, that they surrender and just do what you ask them to do. And God, for those who are hanging out in Maple Grove and are already a, a baptized Jesus follower, God, you know, um, that they make a commitment to say, you know what, I want to join this body and help move this church forward. Holy Spirit, I just pray you move right now. Um, you're the convictor of hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.